Blog Talk Radio. It's Monday night, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. Um, in lieu of the normal smart-ass opening, I'd rather say our thoughts go out to those who lost their lives today and were affected by uh, the shooting at the Navy Yard in Washington, D.C., which is actually only a couple miles from where I sit now doing this show. So um, it's been a very weird day in D.C. as a whole. Um, and on that somber note, um, in one of the horrible transitions that we do, uh, joining me yeah. is Alana. I mean, it's, I'm like, I've got nothing. There's, there's no way. You can I know. There's no that. good transition between horrible things and nice to meet you. Yeah. So. Have you ever? <laughs> so Alana is joining me as always, the much smarter half of the team. Um, and thinking of horrible transitions, and not to cut you off, you ever heard the the Casey Kasem? transition where he like flips his lid no I don't think so uh, there was one so he goes uh, his normal like um, uh, he's on he's doing his show and he's talking about like you know our thoughts go out to so and so who like lost their life or something like that and then he has to do an up tempo song and he cuts it off because it's all pre-taped and he's like yelling at his um, whatever the sound person or producer like I can't believe you had me go from that somber thing to this up-tempo crap what the hell are you thinking blah 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 like swearing at the guy just do a google search for it it's it's really entertaining um mm-hmm. yeah so yeah uh uh so we were, we were off the last couple of weeks um so how did how did Going with the political end of things, how did elections go uh, in New York? We swept the board. I only I was involved in a lot of the campaigns in New York City, and um, there were a couple of folks who who I really support and adore who lost. But the vast majority of the races I was involved with won, and including some that are pretty darn precedent setting. We finally defeated my longtime political arch nemesis Vito Lopez, which is amazing. Uh, he's one of the most corrupt and also sexually assaulting people, elected officials you'll ever hear of, and we finally got him got him out, uh, in spite of the fact that he literally employs individual people in his district, which was why he was able to survive in there for so long, despite being so horrible. Um, my new councilman where I live is awesome and defeated an incumbent who was notorious for not doing anything ever. I had heard of her before I moved into this neighborhood because other people were talking about how she does nothing. So we beat her, which was great. And, of course, my candidate for mayor, Bill de Blasio, had a had a victory, and now it's 100% certain that he's our guy in the uh, general election. We have a runoff election between my candidate for public advocate and um, the other guy who's okay. She's just my candidate. She's better than him, so it's not a bad position to be. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just been a victorious celebratory time for progressives in New York, Um you know, I really think we're going to take back the city, and then we could finally have a Marvel comic that has Spider-Man with a brand new mayor of New York coming up with actual constructive job programs rather than the stupid ones that they had in that Marvel comic with Bloomberg the other year. That would be an awesome post. We need to do that. Of what would Marvel? What will Marvel have to do with uh, De Blasio as mayor? There's definitely something also in them, like world's tallest mayor, sort of like. <laughs> Um, concept that seems that you'd want to touch. You, you, if you're if your superhero comics are about the biggest, strongest, mightiest, we're we're gonna have the tallest mayor in the world. So 
I, just I can't want imagine to... how there would be a taller bear than six foot five. I just want his family to be in it. Like I've saw, seen a little oh, bit about his like wife and daughter and some of the stuff that they've said, and I'm just like, holy crap, this is an awesome politician and family. Yeah, no, his family is amazing. Uh, truth be told, my fiance thinks he might have seen Dante, his son, at a Viking metal show that he was at, which would give him extra props for liking good obscure music. But um, yeah, nice. it's, it's really hard to not be charmed by the entire family. Um, I certainly, I'm not someone who historically likes politicians' families. I tend to be very uh, high. You uh, don't choose your parents, right? <laughs> I, I hate when I see like a lot of politicians' kids in positions of prestige that are purely based on nepotism and all that. But but his kids are so awesome. <laughs> I can't help but like them, and his wife is really incredible. So I'm really looking forward to them. I mean, I can't take for granted that they'll be the next mayor, but there's a really strong shot of them winning, and I'm really excited about that. I have no idea. So urging like... anyone in New York City to make sure that their registration is up to date and uh, to talk to their friends and make sure their registrations are up to date, too, and get ready to vote in November. Nice. Yeah, I I have no idea. Like, I've been kind of sort of keeping up because I got enough friends in New York and your politics that are paying attention. And I was like, oh, I guess the runoff isn't really going to happen with de Blasio. And uh, I don't even know who's left for the general. So I, uh, we're going to knock on wood, and hopefully he'll skate through on that one. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I wish I had some comic segue related to Yeah, I got nothing. The election. <laughs> Nothing really comic-y happened, you know, while I was standing outside the polling places for 12 hours or whatever I did that day. Though it did make me want to have cybernetic knees. <laughs> yeah, oh God, I... How, I how, when did I get this old? I can't do it anymore. If you know, Luckily, I'm usually sitting around monitoring web stuff and dealing with social networks if I'm involved with an election, so I... Uh, I'm not actually out in the field, but oh, it's that yeah. grueling. For people who don't know and have never done it, try and get involved with a GOTV effort once, and you'll appreciate politics way more. Uh, it is a brutal day, but it's also usually one of the highest highs you can get. Yeah, yeah. My body was completely brutalized, and I'm not that old. And I couldn't imagine all these folks who had been standing out there for longer who are, you know, twice my age. And maybe not twice my age, actually, I'm not that I'm that old. But, you know, uh, we're significantly older than me um, and doing everything all day. And I, I basically, I, I'm doing stuff at the poll sites, but when it's slow, which is through most of the day, I do a lot of posting on social media for the campaigns and as an activist and report things. I wonder, have there... I, you know, I was really, I remember that issue of Mighty, the Mighty Avengers where, um, no, it was like a Luke Cage trade paperback where he was thinking of running for borough president. But I don't think Marvel's really done much else. No, I mean, Marvel. The gritty city election, you know, DC did with, you know, Oliver Queen, but. Yeah, I mean, Marvel kind of sticks with the, the real world, so it's kind of hard for them to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, they they generally kind of play off the real New York City mayor. I mean, they've been really close with Bloomberg. Um, yeah. You know, with the presidential, you know, maybe it'll have, like, a fake third-party person, but generally not. I mean, I think the closest they ever played was they kind of ran a mock election for Senator Kelly, um, like the anti-Newton yeah. thing, which I have a button, yeah. and it's one of my favorite political buttons. 
Um, oh, how could it not be? That's awesome. Yeah, it was a really cool one. And then uh, DC plays with it a lot more. Um, but they, you know, they don't. Until recently, they have not played in the real world, so they have the ability to do that. Yeah. Huh. But then again, like New York isn't really a character in the DC universe like it is in the Marvel. No, it's not. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, I guess the good thing would be is for everyone in New York or just in general, um, you know, get involved in politics, go volunteer, register. Uh, as much as I'd like to tell people how to vote, you know, I think it's more important people get involved, but that's out of my personal... Yeah, the turnout, uh-huh. turnout in New York City for the primary, and the primary is the main election in New York, the turnout is like 12% of the registered Democrats or something obscene like that. Hmm. Um, so that's not just of the voters, that's of the registered Democrats. So it's like 20 people. Um, anyway, in my neighborhood right now in in, in South Brooklyn... I believe about 5% of the registered Democrats vote in the primary. And for most of these races, if you vote, if you win in the primary, you win the general election because there's not really any Republicans running for those seats who are viable. So these decisions are being made by a very, very small group of people, and everyone's involvement yeah. can really make a huge difference. And turnout in the city is just, just, just sad. So... You know, literally you voting and telling your friends and neighbors to vote you can literally swing elections in New York City, and that's huge. It's it's something I, uh, I'm I'm finally going to get up because I kind of wanted to see what the conventions were like this year. Um, I have always been kind of baffled why there hasn't been get out the or not get out the vote, but registration um, attempts at conventions. Yeah. I wonder, I I think if they did voter registration at New York Comic Con, no, it's a little bit too close. No, I think it'd be after the cutoff for uh, yeah, I mean, the so, election. But they should still do it for the future, yeah. Yeah. In New York, yeah, we have mean, elections every year. Yeah, I mean, like... That, we have elections every year. I mean, New York, Virginia is the same as we got our fun effed up combination but yeah i mean the for new york i mean it's probably it definitely it has to be too close to the cutoff but um with the november election in new york's in whatever october whatever it is but uh i've never understood that like the if you go into conventions like i was just at small press expo this past weekend there's so much political stuff um i think it'd be genius you just stand outside and you with a couple clipboards and you register people and you get them locally and if they're not from local they have like the generic ballots that you can register people yeah. on. Um, but I really yeah. want to register. I really go to great lengths to make sure they're registered locally because, you know, the, the amount of difference it makes in your ability to participate. But I understand why they have the generic ones for national. But, yeah, I haven't seen – they don't really do – and they used to do sort of a lot more citizen engagement, civics-y stuff in comics, but I don't really see as much now. Now it's all, uh, you know, saving people in the Horn of Africa, which is great. Saving people is great. But – you know, so many of decisions that create those problems in the first place come out of U.S. policy, and then we control ourselves and we participate in democracy. Yeah, I've never, I mean, it'd be kind of a no-brainer of just, hey, let's get kids involved and registered and all that stuff, and it would be nice. It'd be nice to see. We should make this an initiative mm. over the next, like, yeah. year and push this. Like, we'll we'll put up a voting widget, because I think Rock the Vote still does, like, their online widget 
Um, I don't think they've dumped that. Um, which will allow people to, to register online and we can try to talk people into conventions to stand outside and get people registered. I, we're we're going to do this. I think it's going to be a good thing. Yes. All right. Here You heard it first. Here first. Um, so, yeah. So going from good political stuff, let's talk about all the various disasters. It's been a few weeks. Um, DC has just been on a count of how long, how many days has it been since DC did something stupid is uh, where we are right now. Are you looking up the actual... <laughs> no, I guess I could do that. Let me find how many uh, days is that. Folks are familiar with the website. How many days has it been since DC something stupid? Yeah, I think that's it. It's something like that. It's from the guys from, I think, Outhouse or Outhousers. Has DC done something stupid today.com? I don't think the answer is... It has I been nine they, days since yeah, it's stupid. It's been a little bit. It hasn't been many, but it's been a little bit. It's been about a week since uh, all hell broke loose, and they've just been putting their feet, foot in their mouth over and over again. But uh, So we're going to cover it because it's really rather fascinating. Um, so the first thing that happened was, um, uh, it was like two weeks ago, was Baltimore Comic Con, so it was the week just before Baltimore Comic Con. Um, I woke to news that J.H. Williams and I can't think of his first name, Blackman, his last name, uh, walked off of Batwoman. Um, they had a long uh, blog post done by the both of them, basically citing editorial interference as their reason that they didn't want to um, continue. Um, they said their last issue was going to be number 26, and we're going to come back to that in a second. Um one of the examples that they gave was they wanted Batwoman, Kate Kane, to have uh, get married to her uh, fiancé because they proposed, uh, Maggie Sawyer, uh, so it would be an a gay wedding. Twice. Oh, it was twice? Yeah. I yeah, stopped reading. Yeah, twice. Okay. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I unfortunately stopped reading, so I kind of missed all that, but... Um, uh, so uh, she proposed, they wanted her to get married... Um, DC said no, they walked, and that was basically the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, the internet decided to latch onto the DC hates gay marriage, which is far from the truth, and I'll actually side with DC on that one. They generally hate marriage, period. Um, for folks who don't remember, when they relaunched the New 52, um, they broke up Superman and Lois, which is fine if he's starting off. Um, again, like, he should really start dating Lois again. It would have been weird to come into his first year and he's dating Lois or married to Lois, so it kind of makes sense. So that's part of it. Um, DC fumbled a hell of a lot trying to explain the, the why these two award-winning creators walked off the comics at Baltimore Comic-Con before the DC panel, which we have on graphicpolicy.com on our YouTube channel and the website. Um, DC co-publisher Dan DiDio said that it was a mandate for the Bat family that they're not happy, and he felt that marriage would lead to happiness. I myself am getting married <laughs> in about a year, so I'm very happy to know that I will be super happy, kittens and rainbows, and there will be no... Uh, uh, troubles or uh, negativity whatsoever once that act is completed. Thank you, Dan DiDio. Um, I will also ironically point out that many of those senior staffers in D.C. have gone through multiple marriages. Um, so Yeah, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm getting married in a month, so 
I'm, I'm glad that he thinks that everything is done now and everything is over. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I I get what he was saying. It still is idiotic in that you could mine so much drama and relationship issues with a superhero character being married, um, especially one that's you know married to a cop. Um, I just I'm kind of baffled with that whole decision. My uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit online, and I I wrote a post about it. My issue with it isn't her getting married. I just thought it happened too soon. Um, and it was going very quickly, and that they should just uh, have them date a little bit more, um, and explore that. Just you know, because mm-hmm. marriage yeah. was like three issues ago, type of thing. It seemed to be um, a little rushed, and I don't know. They said get married; they didn't say a time frame, so it could have been twelve issues down the road. It could have been five issues. It could have been two issues. I don't know. Um, but that was my. My only thing where I would side sort of with DC. Uh, interesting enough, though, DC announced Mark Andreco is the new writer who is an openly gay man. Um, so I don't know if that was politics or they thought this would be a good thing uh, to throw him on there. And then the other is that he is starting with issue 25, which dumps uh, the last two issues of um, Williams and Blackman's Batwoman, which we guess we'll never see. Um, so yeah, so that was the first controversy. So we'll, we'll we'll start with that and go from there. Yeah, I, uh, I really, hmm. DC having a rule that no one in the Bat family can be happy, it does not mean that she shouldn't be able to get married. But it also sounds like they were saying they had a rule that no one in the New 52 was supposed to be married, which is stupid as hell, because I I think that, you know, they they think that all drama ends once you're married, and two, that it won't be as relatable to fans if the characters are married. But let's be honest, we're all old, and, yeah. you know, we're the ones who are going here saying, saying, coming up with ideas about how to make comics more interesting and approachable for younger people. The company is doing everything in its power to have them not be, so... Since when do they think their readers are are, are so young? Because they're certainly not acting like it. On top of it, you know, someone made a really good point about this actually on one of the comics blogs, and I wish I could recall who. But um, you know, having he was saying that as a kid, seeing guys like Spider-Man, then seeing that they were married to this like awesome woman, gave them faith that you know, even though they were geeky, they might find the right woman one day and settle down, and, and they'd win the yeah. girls. You know, and even though he himself was like in junior high and was not in the market to be getting married, there was something role modelish and assuring, reassuring about the fact that these characters who he looked up to were, you know, getting married and being happy and stuff like that. And I see that value too. Like, there's no reason that a kid wouldn't relate to a character that's older than them and is married and has a different life than them, they could project themselves onto that as a possible future, you know? It's just ridiculous. And to dictate the stories that the artist should be writing in that way does not make any sense to me. It's like they hadn't been paying attention to where the series had been so far, and their poor communication with their own workers is just unbelievable. It never should have gotten to that point. Yeah. The whole idea that they shouldn't have marriage in the comics of their heroes is so stupid. 
I don't think they should all be married. I don't think they should all be not married. I think a mix of things based on the characters and their lives and based on the stories is what makes sense. And clearly they were shoving their hands where it wasn't supposed to be. But I also just think that DC doesn't have a, a public relations department apparently. No, they don't. I found that. I found that some dirt on that strange. over the weekend. <laughs> it's kind of strange that they don't have anyone. You know, I, I'm i not a huge fan or believer, really, in the relationship between Maggie and Kate, but the story was saying, like, they're going to get married. You can't just not... That's not who I would have matched each one of those characters to. You know, but the story was leading towards that, and it's going to just be really weird and awkward. I mean, I guess they could just do some like amazing dramatic breakup that actually conveys like what the actual issues between those characters might have been had they been married. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, they're not being leaders. They're not being leaders in this. They're being really, really stupid, and they didn't seem to understand the context in, in which their actions would be read. And if we had more faith in them, if we didn't think they were bigots, then we wouldn't be so paranoid about them doing bigoted things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. so it was interesting. With uh, I had some back and forth with that because I was actually in the room fully expecting fireworks um, when DiDio spoke. And quickly everyone twisted his words and was like, oh, they hate all marriage. That's not what DiDio said. He, in this case, specifically said about the Bat family that they're supposed to be grim. Um, I had a back and forth with someone on Twitter who was like, oh, he said the same thing about Superman. I went through the records. I could not find a quote from DiDio um, about Superman saying that he can't be happy. His quote was, we're starting from, basically to sum it up, was we're starting from scratch. Um, a relationship and marriage has clearly a backstory. We want to explore some other news stories you know, before we got to that sort of thing. Um, so we need to do this. That was his, with Superman was generally what he stated. Um, so people are, seem to be still pissed off about the Superman thing. Uh, the Batman thing, I it blows my mind. And, and I mean, you uh, were just reading Mighty Avengers before we hopped on the air. Um, to me, marriage, like the perfect example of how to handle marriage in comics is Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Um, uh-huh. He is running around with his new team of Heroes for Hire, and he's worried about paying bills and rent checks and I think there's a page on there when he has a list of things he has to buy before going home like diapers and formula and uh-huh. and like to me that's awesome like that is relatable it's realistic it's fun it sh- it puts pressure on him um, it's not happy and rainbows and kittens it's re- you know it's realistic in what people actually deal with um, and I hate to say that oh you can put the you know, it adds more pressure, and I'm not saying that you want to make Maggie or Jessica as, like, the foil of, oh, put them in danger every week, but it adds pressure to everything. Um, yeah, And does. that he, he, Luke Cage, is a known person. Jessica Jones is a known person. He's in danger. She's in danger because of that. Um, it adds tension. With the Batwoman, Maggie would add some odd tension because the world doesn't know, but they know. Yeah, their jobs are just at odds with each other. I mean, that that's yeah. one of the reasons why I don't know how that relationship could work. But yeah, me either. I mean, that's the other thing I think is really bizarre. But um, it, uh, you know, my my thing with it was people latching on to the gay marriage part. 
I think actually killed the real issue, which is that they aren't exploring characters enough and are very one note in everything. Um, cause it had nothing to do with gay marriage. It had everything to do with marriage. Um, and then disagreeing with, but again, people wouldn't have reacted that way if DC didn't have a track record of doing these things. You know, if they could build up some goodwill by not being jerks, then we wouldn't react that way. They killed uh, Green Lantern's boyfriend like, yeah. immediately. Oh, they, yeah, they fridged the, Scott, the boyfriend. They killed Alan Scott. Yeah. If they didn't do stuff like that, we wouldn't assume the worst. Well, so here's the thing, and the do devil's advocate, if, if they're going to keep on doing stuff like that, you know... Uh, six months down the road, a year down the road, they're going to kill Maggie Sawyer. Mm. So, and, I mean, and, I don't think they would repeat that exact move. This is like doing that. Yeah, I mean, the to me, one, I mean, we both agree that the relationship is bizarre to begin with. Um, and I think it was just generally rushed. But they, it was, it, the whole thing is just very weird. I, I don't understand why they are convinced that you can't have relationships that are interesting and do it right in comics, because Marvel's shown you can do it. Tons of other things have shown you can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Luke Cage, yeah, Jessica it's really Jones immature. thing. Oh. It just shows lack yeah. of a maturity on their part. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and the how they keep on... I feel bad. The whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, I feel so bad for DC's social media person. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Whoever's monitoring Twitter and Facebook, I really kind of feel like sending a bottle of scotch over and be like, get drunk on me. Because, um, yeah, they've had a crappy month. Um, and this is like, this came a week after Ben Affleck was announced as Batman, which caused the entire internet to melt down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a joke being like, Ben Affleck is so happy that DC hates marriage. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, their excuse was weird. The how they handled it was just poor. I, I don't get it. Um, and then you go on top of it. So the week after, not even um, DC had decided to have this as controversy. We'll say number three, counting Affleck. Um, controversy number three. So they're going three for three when it comes to weekly f ups. Um, was they were having this open, I don't know even what you call it, an open call for people to take a script that they threw out there and sketch it up. And the one that they really like um, was going to go into, I think, the first issue or issue zero of Harley Quinn, which is going to be a new series. Um, they described it at Baltimore Comic-Con. It just sounds like their version of Deadpool, um, which made me want to vomit. Um, but the script has Harley Quinn in various situations trying to kill herself. Uh, and it, there was some comedic tones to it, like one of it, she like slabs meat on herself and dives into like a beer, a bear uh, cave or something like that, which you know got me to laugh a little bit. But like the final one is her throwing a toaster in the water. It was just really tone deaf. And either the comic comes out or this was released during Suicide Prevention Week, which made it even more yeah. tone deaf. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, the thing—the fact that they chose that particular page to test it out. Yeah. You know, you could do something like that in your comic if you're doing it in a closely controlled yep. way. But the way it was described and just put out there, it was just like, hi, we want our new artists to be able to do sexualized violence. Try out your sexualized violence here. 
Yeah. You know, when I read about how it was going to be done in the actual script, I was like, oh, okay, that's okay. But the, the, the creator, the you know, Palmetti and Connor should have just done that page themselves, and if they wanted to have a test of artists, they should have done a page that wasn't so completely tone-deaf to have on its own without that context, you know, any yeah. other page. I hope that they're going to be reimbursing people for their work, I mean, if, whoever they choose. No. I don't know if they've worked out the labor aspects of this, but... I don't think any of that is... I think... The, um, so, Jimmy Palmiotti, who's and Amanda Connor, are the ones kind of behind this new series, um, apologized. Palmiotti himself has said it was, wasn't DC, it was his F-up, that he wasn't uh, clear in the script, and it really explained setting it up. Um, his setting it up only makes it mildly less tone-deaf. Um, and... DC later apologized and was like, we absolutely dropped the ball on it. So good for them for learning yeah. PR a little bit. Um, no, to, so to go to your point, my understanding is they're not paid. Like, they're getting their name in the issue. The comic is there, and it's kind of the exposure, which I will That's say so is a pretty big, it's a pretty big they deal. They should be getting paid. Something, yeah. Something. Yeah, it'll be interesting, I, I think. Well, we'll watch because, you know, if the person jobs off of it, then totally worth it. If they do a page and nothing ever comes of it, then that sucks. How many times have you seen people win, win contests and nothing ever comes of it? It's like a lot. Most of the time. <laughs> so, like, if you're not Jason Aaron, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and they're doing work that's being sold to other people. They mm-hmm. should be getting reimbursed. They should be getting not strippers. Should be getting paid. Um, I, I think it's really problematic um, to not do that. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, are they, well, what are they going to do? A whole comic illustrated by guests who are not going to get paid? Is that the new model? You know, no, 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 no. That that I don't believe is true. My my understanding is this is just the one page. The person gets in there, gets their name, gets the comic. No, I know, uh, but it sets up a precedent where that could become something that happens. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's really dangerous to do that. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one where like I go back and forth in that one. It can be great exposure for someone, but to I you know you're getting work done for free and the person's not actually going to, is not definitely going to benefit in some way financially for it, which is disturbing. Mm-hmm. And there's um, no promises, there's no guarantees, you know? Yeah, and the, it's definitely, it's bothersome because as you said, now what stops someone from doing an entire comic this way? Yeah, exactly. Um, and someone might have, like, I I don't know if this is a something that everyone did, but uh you you never know. Like it's it's irritating. Um and we'll see. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with the person, because if they try and give this uh the person um uh more work because of it, like fantastic. Then it's totally worth it. Like you won the contest, you're then going to get this five-page thing in this comic, that would be... That's the way I would like it to be handled. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's... I don't... I don't see that happening. Um, 
But yeah, so that was that was the awesome controversies over the last couple of weeks that had the internet melting down over and over and over again. Um, I think that covers everything. I can't think of anything yeah. else. Um, no, those are really the DC being stupid events the past two days. I'm yeah. Sorry, of the past week. I'm sure there'll be another one. Yeah. it's yeah. It ends with a day. There's going to be something coming up really soon. Um, and then the thing? other... What's that? Do you know something? I don't know anything, no. Um, over the week... So the only thing that was even come close was uh, Friday night... Uh, Justin Bieber tweeted up a, or Instagrammed a photo of the Batman-Superman script. I think it was part of a funnier Die script. But, of course, that had the internet meltdown being like, Justin Bieber's up for Robin? What the hell? Um, what? Yeah, what? I don't... <laughs> I don't think it's true. Um, I'm pretty convinced it's part of a funnier Die skit that they're actually pranking the internet, which is kind of awesome. Um... But yeah, the the one thing that only thing I know that is coming up, or hinted at coming up, is in a conference. CEO of Warner Warner Brothers, uh, Kevin Sujahara, I think his last name, said that expect a lot of announcements from DC in the near future, and that DC Entertainment is uh, he's hinted is going to be a bigger focus of Warner Brothers. Hmm. So that'll be interesting. Will one uh, of the movies maybe be starring a woman? You would hope. I would hope Wonder Woman would be one of them. In some fashion. In I some have such a little faith, you know. All, all we do is get betrayed, is all I'm saying. That's like <laughs> basically what happens. I'm not reading anything by DC anymore now, I guess until the Sandman stuff comes out. Yeah, I've, I've really dialed back. Um I've given, I'm kind of stick to like the real basics, so I'm reading just Batman by Snyder. Um, I'm sticking with Animal Man. I still stick with the Green Lantern stuff just because I've actually been digging Green Lantern and what the new team's doing. And their Forever Evil events. And some of the one shots for the Forever Evil, which, Evil Month, which hasn't been as bad in the disaster as I thought it would be. Um,. It looks pretty stupid. I mean, I don't know. What, well, what, tell me about it. What, what did you read? What was the point? So, yeah, the, the story is they've been kind of leading up this thing called and hinting at called Trinity War been going on. Um, and it involved uh, Doors Box, and it supposedly could destroy evil or it held evil. We weren't quite sure. And it had the very just leagues fighting each other just because they kept on getting corrupted and misunderstanding. That part of the story was eh. Uh, in reality, spoiler alert, uh, the Trinity that it was referring to was Earth-3, and the crime syndicate came to main Earth, which was kind of cool. Um, they, off-page, we don't know exactly what's happened, but they've just jacked up the Justice League, and the crime syndicate's first thing to do was free all the villains. Um, so now all these um, Villain Month one-shots have been focusing on the villains of DC Universe, who are very colorful characters. Um, some of them have been really, really good, because you don't really see a lot focusing on villains. So it's kind of cool to see some of their backgrounds, seeing a little of them fleshed out a little bit. Um, the stories themselves are hit and miss. Some are like really good, some of them are pretty bad. Um, they've got the fancy covers, which I could care less about. 
Um, but the main story is kind of interesting because at least in the first issue, um, it now showed that there's this degree of villainy, like Lex Luthor is watching all hell break loose. And while Lex Luthor is a bad guy, at the same time, he's like that corporate villain type of person where he wants to make his right, profit. Right. He's not the yeah. person that's there to destroy the planet. He wants to make his money. Right, and, no. He wants to yeah. no money in destroying them. If only someone would tell Monsanto and Shell Oil that there's no long-term money in destroying <laughs> the planet, but what can yeah. you do? And that was kind of the cool thing is like at the end of the first issue, he's on his knees going, where are you, Superman? which changes that dynamic and plays into it a little bit more. It was cool. Like, the rogues in Flash have never been truly horrible people. They had rules of, like, you don't kill innocents. Um, you just try to mess with the Flash because we're a bunch of bank robbers, basically, and that's what we do. So there was, like, this yeah. cool, playful thing, and that's what it's really setting up. Um, interestingly, is this dynamic of the old-school villains of DC where it was always very comedic to me. Um, where they, you know, they tried to... You mean like Captain Boomerang? Like, who do you mean by old school? No, well, yeah, like those old school people of, like, Luther and the rogues and some of Batman's rogues that they were never, like, they didn't go out to try to destroy the world type of people. They robbed banks or they had their weird hostage situations, but they never were like, I'm going to nuke an entire city. And then you have got the crime syndicate who are like, we are going to raise entire cities type of people. Their first act was beating the crap out of Dick Grayson and um, and unmasking him, where I just think the manly of being like the old school villains that were kind of campy and not... Um, uh, the violence wasn't super realistic. And then you have these crime syndicate and some of these other folks who are over the you know, I'm going to kill a person, I'm going to bleed this person bloody, and I think just it's interesting comparing those two types of styles. Um, and I think deep down that's kind of what the series is doing a little bit, which I appreciate and I think huh. is neat. So it's like we're we're doing this dividing line in the 80s when comics became really gritty, and we're finally taking on that grittiness with the, the old campy sort of villains. Um mm -hmm. And drawing a line between of them, and I if it if it goes there, I think it could be a great event because it'll explore something that I think needs to be talked about is why a comic's so gritty and nasty, and people have to get killed and tortured and stuff like that. Like, why can't they be fun and campy? Um, uh, a little safer for kids, in other words. Like that. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's sort of discussing. I think it's kind of cool. Um, and the one shots are, you know, hit and miss, like exactly what I would expect them to be. Um, mm -hmm. What was yeah, the hit? So, Give me one hit at least. Um, oh, what's the one? Uh, I would have to really. I can't. I've read so many of them, none super jump out at me. But I would really have to go through and think about it. Um, like there was one with Deadshot kind of going through his his life, which I thought was interesting. Joker's was kind of interesting. It fleshed out his uh, background a little bit. Um, the you know it's the the only bad is like they're not a lot of them don't have the normal creative team, so they do feel like fill in books. Um, yeah, I think when it's all done, I'm gonna have to like rank them which ones are the good ones that are read and which ones are the bad ones. But it's. Uh, it's exactly what I expect. Some are great, some are horrible. Most of them are kind of blah in the middle. Um, 
But yeah, and then yeah, I thought yeah. about maybe picking up one or two, but none of the teams appealed to me actually. Yeah, I mean, like unless you're regularly reading DC, this wouldn't appeal to anyone. And I think DC is actually painting themselves in the corner, making every September some like gimmicky month, which is their plan. So last year was yeah, zero month. Yeah, what kind of plan is it? It's stupid. How about they have good books and like don't fuck up their artists? Yeah, and, I mean that would be that's not stupid, so that they can expand the fan base. Yeah, I mean, next year I well, will Well, what do we that... know? You know, what do we know? <laughs> We're just people who do online marketing for a living and are comic book fans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, online marketing, actually a good uh, uh, flip to that. Uh, I did, because uh, I do my Facebook things every Monday. Um, yeah, last yeah. last Monday, I think it was, or two Mondays ago, I think it was last Monday, I did Who Are Fans of Female Comic Book Characters? Mm-hmm. And shocker, it's women. Very heavily really? women. Oh yes, how how wouldn't you think that this would be the case? Um, Who was the most popular? I'm assuming that was the Black Widow. No, no. I mean, uh, Wonder Woman was the one I think brought like the majority ah. of fans. Um, Black Widow. I mean, we I looked at it a long time ago. Black Widow didn't have Black Widow didn't have the fandom that you that everyone would think that she would have post Avengers. Yeah. Uh, but what I did, so I went through, like, every list of female characters that I could get from, like, Red Sonia to Wonder Woman to Black Widow and just threw them all in there and maxed out the number of words and terms that you could do. But it was it was very interesting. Um, it was like, it's normally 60% men, 40% women. This was, like, the exact opposite with 60% women and 40% men. Um and then another one today, I did Doctor Who fans, and that's 50% women. So, see, women are fans of some of these things. does not surprise me. As someone who spends time on Tumblr on occasion, um, you really see how ubiquitous comic fandom and um, Doctor Who is among women. Yeah, and, then the, and to me it was all backed up this week, and this weekend was, um, this past week it was Small Press Expo, and the number of women that were there just was amazing. Um, I had discussion with a lot of people, um, not just fans, but creators too. Like every other table seemed to be some woman or female team or something of that, like just packed the place. And it was just awesome to see um, and doing some really cool books. So they exist. All anyone has to do is go to a convention and you find it. And see that women yeah. are fans of things. So, yeah. Sigh. Oh, well. Um, but, yeah, so let's go on to, to other things that we've been reading and haven't discussed in a while. Um, let's talk about Battle of the Atom. Yes. Have you checked out at all? So, I, I had not been reading any of the core Battle of the Atom titles. Uh, okay. I'd simply been reading X Men, Brian Woods X Men, and that was it. I really did enjoy Marjorie Lou's piece on Astonishing. I just sort of got lost somewhere and figured I'd pick it up in trade. But, um, so I have not been reading all new X-Men. I was not really familiar with what was going on with the, the X-Kids being brought from the 60s to the current current age. Um, I, but I am someone who's very steeped in the, law, the lore of the X-Men as a whole. Um, and I did not expect to like this, and I didn't want to like it, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, um, 
out of the two events that are going on between uh, in Marvel, between Infinity and uh, Battle of the Atom, Battle of the Atom so far is the more entertaining of the two. Um, I've been digging it. So you have been reading all new X-Men? No, I had not been reading all new X-Men. All right. Um, so I, I was I'm really just to... picking this up, like, you know, almost out of nowhere, really. It's worth starting from the first. Um, so basically oh, yeah, the story I got the first is... issue. I have the first issue and the fifth issue, because the fifth issue comes out of X-Men, and the first yeah. issue I just, I just got. So. Yes. So the basic story, for folks that don't know, is X-Men are infamous for their time travel um, post Age of Ultron time in the multi in the Marvel universe is kind of cracked and a little jacked up because um, that actually plays into it and that's important in this. But um, the X Men have divided. Cyclops and a small band of mutants are now terrorists, and Wolverine and his band are kind of like the mainstream mutants. Um, so Beast in kind of a sign of desperation to attempt to change the present and get Cyclops to not be crazy and and kill Professor X and stuff like that, he brings back the old-school X-Men from the 1960s to kind of see what the hell they become. Um, so it's actually been pretty good, uh, that series as a whole. And the event, uh, Battle of the X-Men, or Battle of the Atom, has... The modern-day X-Men dealing with that because the future X-Men have traveled back in time to tell the modern-day X-Men to send back the past X-Men because all hell is going to break loose in the time stream if they don't. Um, and there and if is... that sounds awful and makes you want to roll your eyes, <laughs> which it did to me, when you read it, it's funny, and so that's okay. Yeah. And I don't know if it, you picked up on it like I did. Like, the reason I like it is because it actually addresses the stuff that made me roll my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, there was yeah. a thing where they were like, uh, as the future X-Men are going, I think, like, uh, Iceman of the modern Iceman says, like, you know, anyone else see the hypocrisy in this or something like that? Or maybe Kitty Pride says it or Rachel Summers says it. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, yes, thank God someone addressed this that the future X-Men are messing with the time stream as well um, to fix all this. So, like, it's those, a lot of the small stuff like that that I really, really, really enjoy or have been enjoying. Yeah, I, I thought that that was funny. Um, the characterizations are all pretty good and sharp. Uh, it's really soapy. And I think it's yeah. only going to be interesting to big X-Men fans, but you don't have to be a current X-Men fan. You don't have to be, like, super up-to-date on what's going on in the books. So long as you're the kind of person who, like me, is comfortable with kind of coming in and media race of various things. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, even though I didn't know everything else that was going on. And you picked up, so if you got Chapter 5, you got, like, the big reveal of who's behind the mask, right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get any of the in-between, though. Yeah, you don't but really need it. You know, I've always believed she was going to come back, obviously. Yeah. Try not to spoil it for folks. But yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it was one where I kind of like, you knew it was going to happen eventually, but now I want to know how the hell that happened. And I'm still not convinced okay. that the future X-Men are as altruistic as um, they say they are. Something's up. want to see that, yeah. 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 
and I'm not quite sure how it's. I really have no idea how it's going to end. I mean, the they they keep on setting up like because there's always that question of how come the past X Men don't remember any of this. Like, how come Cyclops doesn't remember traveling or Beast or Iceman or Jean Grey or any of them or Angel? And they keep on setting up of like, oh, the second we go back, Professor X is going to mind wipe us and we're not going to remember anything. Um. So at least that explains that. And there, I think it's in the fourth issue, or maybe it might have been the second, is they at least play with the, you know, there is actual issues here because past Cyclops got, I think he got hit by like a Sentinel and died. And then the present Cyclops starts like disappearing and like a time quake starts going on. And they wind up saving the past Cyclops. Yeah, and it was kind of like, okay, this is cool. Like, you're actually dealing with a lot of these issues that have they've always never really addressed and that I've kind of wondered about. So I'm digging it. Like, I I think it's one of the better events they've had in a really long time. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm really not a big event person, especially not these days. I don't even know what the heck is going up with Infinity. I'd rather read Infinity Gauntlet than read, like, some modern setup of it, you know? Infinity, I think, is everything wrong with events. Um, So Infinity is... I don't even know how to describe this. So this has basically been built out of Avengers for quite some time for uh, Hickman's run. Um, And they have these things called the Builders, who we found out are the really ones who have really seeded the the cosmos and have built life, which kind of runs in the face of the whole thing with the... um, the Eternals and I was say everything Jack Kirby did. Don't yeah, all the, the stuff that Kirby, Jack Kirby did. Don't make me angry. Yeah, so it kind of like uh. flies in the face of all that stuff that was explored in Earth X. Um, so yeah, so they have these things called builders who have like decided that shit have gone wrong and they just want to start over again. So they just start attacking the universe. So all the alien races band together, and of course the Avengers have to hop in for some reason because God knows in their two space quingents they really, really add a lot to the battle. Um, And they head out to space as like the Earth's um, defenders. At the same time, Thanos has been up to something and has been searching for something. Um, So he sees that Earth is undefended and is like, we're going to Earth and we're going to jack stuff up. I'm on a mission. There's something I want. In the second issue, I think it's the second issue, which came out like two weeks ago, we find out that Thanos is looking for a son who's been hiding within humans. Uh, Which, like, this gets a little interesting. Um, But the question is, like, who's his son? what's this all going to lead to. We know what it's going to lead to. Marvel's already spoiled all that, which makes my mind just just hurt. I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard. But that's ridiculous that they spoiled them already. Yeah, so... Do you want the spoilers? Do you care? No, I don't, because I'm impressed that I don't know. Oh, okay. Then I won't tell you. <laughs> but it's weird that they would spoil that. Anyway. Yeah, well, they're doing... Because the problem with comics is they have to... You have your you know three-month lead-up for everything. So people have to order, so you have to tell them what's coming. Um, but the thing is, is like Marvel spoiled that before Infinity even hit the stands, which makes me really confused. But yeah, they basically, you, you generally know, if you've been paying attention to the sites and all that stuff, 
you generally know like where things are going and what's going to happen. It potentially is cool. Um, to me, I, we'll talk about it when it happens because I've. The, so the thing with that kills me with Infinity. I'm going to go off my rant because I haven't yet wrote, written this out or whatever. So no, the thing that bothers me. We haven't discussed with, Infinity yet, yeah. Yeah, the thing with Infinity that bothers me is it is Fear itself done with different characters. Um, Fear itself, you had the Fear God who was like the opposite of Odin, um, and his. Um, is like champions just messing this stuff up on Earth and destroying cities and beating up superheroes. And Infinity, you've got Thanos and his champions to Earth, raising cities, beating up superheroes. The same damn thing. They um, fans are are meeting heroes and kicking out of them. Destroyed uh, Atlantis for the umpteenth time. Like it's the same damn story. Um, and I want to do like a checklist of being like one of those comparisons and show it's the same damn thing. So other than the Avengers wow. being in space, space, which is the only original part of it, it's fear itself redone. Um, which is yeah, boring. Boring. <laughs> just like hey, Age have you ever read Atlantis Attacks? Because all of this talk makes you want to just go back and read the original stuff. Like I want to read Atlantis Attacks now. I want to read the Gauntlet. I haven't read Atlantis Attacks in a long time. I reread Infinity Gauntlet over the summer leading up to this. Um, I want to go back and read Infinity Crusade and Infinity War to remember if they were as bad as I thought they were, because um, I only really vaguely remember them. I actually really want to go back and read Dan Abnett's and Andy Lanning's um, uh, all all like space stuff for Marvel because it was actually really good. Like Annihilation, Annihilation, so good. I'm but sorry? yeah, the, oh, and, you're like, what did you what did you say about Annihilation? Have, did you read Annihilation? No, Annihilation, Annihilation Quest. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, that was space opera done right. Um, awesome. Like they weren't doing anything with any of their space characters, and they had Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning who are amazing writers, come in and just play in that sandbox. And they gave us Annihilation, Annihilation Quest. They gave us a really the, a way better Guardians of the Galaxy than we've got now. Uh, Noah was cool. Um, they brought back Adam Warlock, and he was kind of cool. Um, as a whole, this series was, it was sweet. Like, the whole space thing they got going on with them was amazing, and then they just, like, dropped it all, which blew my mind and booted those guys. Um, so, yeah. It, uh, it all makes me want to go back and reread that stuff because it was way, way, way solid. Um, yeah. And go back to the old Starlin stuff. I've been having a hard time not just being nostalgic for old comics lately. Uh, you know, we used stuff from... Mr. Miracle for our wedding invitation because the fiance looks like Scott Free and he changed <laughs> the hair color and make her a bit shorter. I, I look like Barda. Um, so I've been, you know, I was just reading a ton of Kirby stuff again recently that I had and just like, ah, the level of creativity is so much, it's so much wilder and less inhibited and less self-conscious and exciting, and the art is so unique, and just makes yeah. me really sort of sad for where things are these days. But to, to me, like, 
where it's at isn't Marvel or DC. It's all the indie stuff. And we're going to think about some yeah. of it that we really like. But, like, what Dark Horse is putting out, um, some of the stuff Dynamite's putting out, IDW, um, and, you know, forget any of the publishers that and some of the stuff that Boom's doing. Like, forget any of those publishers, even on top of it. Like, you go indie indie, there is just a world of stuff that's absolutely amazing. Um, like, there's one comic I picked up this weekend, and I wish I could find the description really quick. I'm going to dig and see if I can find the photo of it. But it's, uh, there was a creator, and I, I wish I knew his name. Um, but one, he had a book, and the price is going to make your jaw drop. It was $190 for the full thing. And all I can say is, so it's like a big box, and each page was an individual comic, and the page was really long. So it was like a normal sheet of paper, kind of cut in half. Um, and each page is a full comic, and it's gorgeous. Like, it's old-school press done. Um, all, not many of them done, like, 16-created type thing. Absolutely beautiful. No way in the hell I would buy it. Um, I got a video of it I'm going to put up on the site. But he actually had a comic, and I found the description of it. It's called Abladio Penis. Uh, and this is the description. The rise of all-American politician Andre St. Louis, a working man's hero, out to save the economy and create jobs while still remaining charming, suave, and good with the ladies. Uh, Abladio, Abladio Penis? I don't know how to pronounce it. Chronicles the capriciousness of the election cycle and explores the persona of the American politician. Awesome. Holy crap, does that sound good. I haven't read it yet because it was just this past weekend, but that's like on top of my pile. Um, sounds amazing to me. It, the artwork was pretty cool. Um... Like, I was blown away. I, I mean, I wish I had $1,000 on me for a small press expo. There was so much I would have p- picked up. Oh, I'm um, sure. It was so good. But, like, that to me is where comics are. Is like, forget the big two. All these indie people are doing amazing stuff. Um, and it's so much that's going on, and it's just mind-blowing. That there's so much to choose from. Um let me see what the other one. So the other one was, it's called the, At the End of an Action Movie. It was $190 with the box, $95 without the box. It's a collection of one-page short stories about feeling. Every page is letterpress printed in a very limited edition of 15. So it sounds like it's just people making some really beautiful books that are art books in and of themselves. Um, yeah, well, so the funny one with the one that we looked at, or I, I bought it, about the politician, I actually looked at it, and it's like a small publisher in Minnesota or something like that. It's actually union printed. Um, nice. Yeah, so i mad press on that one, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, for $5, there's no way hell he made money off of this um, with the small print that it was, and I'm sure the cost, some of the cost to it, um, but totally worth it. Like, mad, really huge props to him. It, it sounds like a cool kind of, I can't wait to read it. Um, all the stuff he put out was amazing. But, like, the cool stuff with with Small Press Expo and many t- conversations about it, it was it's amazing stuff like that. And then it's, you know, the person who's a do-it-yourself doing photocopies and coming with stuff they did at Kinko's. Um, yeah, the old school zines. Like, it really ran the gamut. And it was awesome because of it. Like, I love that show. There's so much good stuff there. Um yeah, so I've got a long list of stuff. I'll have I can to go someday. That sounds really interesting. Yes, uh, you absolutely need to come. You would flip your shit at it because it's so cool. It's so good. Um, 
I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff I picked up. Um, there's a creator named Monica Gallagher who I've been buying up original art of. Um, and she does Bonnie and Clyde, which is a comic about a roller girl who seems to have a normal life. Um, and she has a whole bunch of other comics. There's one called Boobage that is about her life as a model, but uh, not in the chest for it. Um, so it's very the Sorry? not having the chest for it. Ah. Um, yeah, so it was like very... Which I take that she had a chest, whereas models don't. Uh, no, I think she was the opposite. Like, she, everyone oh. said that you're not endowed up there or whatever. It was, It's really, really good. I, I liked it. As a guy, I liked it. Um, her, her Bonnie and Clyde is awesome. Um, really, really talented. I'm kind of shocked that she's not... She's done some stuff. She's done some stuff for Oni. Um... But I haven't seen her anything like anything bigger than that, which shocks me because she's super talented. And huh. yeah, I mean, just a long list of stuff I picked up. There's some really really cool items that I'm gonna go into more detail over the week. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about some of those awesome other awesome indie comics. Uh, massive. Oh wow. Well, I've just been reading yeah, the massive. I've been reading. Um, the massive I've been reading. Sorry, my brain just completely fell out of my ear. Um, Sonia. Yes, I've been reading Red Sonia and Lazarus. Yes, yeah, those are the three we want to talk about. Nice. Uh, which do you want to go with first? Do we want to go from easiest to most difficult? Yeah, how about that? Uh, I think easiest is Red Sonia. Sure. Um, uh, well, I'm enjoying it. Um, I like having a, her backstory told in that way worked for me. Um, I like the backstory of a superheroine that doesn't involve her getting raped for once. Um, uh I think that they handled her illness. Like, the storyline, like, it makes sense. Like, I buy it, you know? Yeah. I like it, too. That's my thing with the the third issue. What um, was your thing the, about the third issue? I liked it. Like, the, the, the first two didn't really do it for me. The third really kind of picked it up. I I thought that they handled the thing with the illness better. I mean, I had points I was confused about in the earlier one. I wasn't sure why they were saying that she necessarily had the plague when there was no indication of it. And you, I don't know. They sort of justify that acceptably in the new piece. But I like the characterization that we got. I like the introduction to her culture that we had as well. Because we don't always get to see and learn about the cultures as much. And I think that the world building is itself really interesting. And in fact, the world building is some of the stuff I really, really enjoy from reading Conan. So it's good to have that element just introduced in here. Because I didn't feel like... Can you hear me? Hello? Oh, no. Yes, I can hear you. 
Anyway, I didn't feel like in the earlier issues of the comic that the world building had really meant anything to me. I thought in issues one and two, the world that they invented just didn't, it didn't, I don't know, it wasn't interesting in and of itself if it didn't really stand much of anywhere. But the world building that I'm seeing now in issue three, I think is a lot richer and more interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, the the first two, they were okay. Like it led up to the the third issue. I think the third issue were expanded on, um, and her background was a hell is a lot stronger than with her background a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like so, I, with my question, you know, Red Sonia, like. Is that kind of her normal background, or is this something new? Uh, no, that's not. I mean, she's one of the last people of her of her nationality, yes. But she also was, like, raped and stuff because, you know, that's where they have to have that obvious little comic every single story. And in this one, it was nice to see that that wasn't what they felt they needed to tell. All right, because that was the thing I was wondering, like, so I remember the couple of times that we talked about it, you brought up the fact that she was like raped at some point and I'm like, is it still coming? Do they not do that? Um, you know, I liked her kind of going out with the re- revenge and, and that part of the story. It was cool. Like it was a cool way of doing an origin story. And I do enjoy the fact that um, they did it in the third issue and not the first issue. Mm, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I agree. It saved me. Like, I was on the verge of not reading the series anymore, and the third issue kind of got me back. Yeah, it sounded that way from what you had said earlier. Because, we, like, we talked about the first two. I wasn't a big fan of the first two. Um, the third one, I think, blew me away out of the out of the three. It's the strongest so far. You know, I still feel like the Elephant Moon isn't back on her stride from where she was at her best and keep it fixed, but this is certainly really good, and I'm looking forward to reading more of it, and, you know, I'm a different cliffhanger, and I want to see what's next. Yeah. Um, so the next, probably easiest, is Lazarus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like this new issue. It's cool. Like, I dig the world that is being set up. Yeah, and I believe it. It's too, too real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. There's 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 a lot I really really like, and then I mean, overall, it's just it's an interesting take of the world and corporations and where things are going and the haves and have-nots, um, the the scheming that's going on seems kind of a bit like it's been there, done that, but. The world is really cool, and how it's being presented, I like. I'm a big fan of the timeline. We've had that discussion. And I will oh, the timeline that is awesome, absolutely. Well, it's definitely to make sure they read through the whole comic, including the end pieces. But I also really uh, like, yeah. Sorry, I also really like um, how how he's dealing with the character relationships between Eve and the other family's swords. I like them talking a lot because I've got this neat and really 
Yeah, I mean it's it's cool. Like it's. Um, I want to see more of that relationship between her and the only other person she knows is like her. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a a series that I want to read more of and find more about. I think as a whole, it probably would be better better read as a trade. But that might just be what I'm looking for more than anything. Um, Maybe. It's good though. Like it's cool. It's really. I mean, we. I wasn't quite as big about the first issue. But now it's gone into the second and third one. I'm I'm really digging it and, and looking forward to the fourth issue. Yeah, I'm really really eager to see what's happening. I definitely even know the idea about that one. Um, do we want to go to the hard one? Because I think you and I both are scratching our heads on this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the massive ended its arc with the crew in the U.S. with issue 15, I think it was. Yeah. Do you ha- do you have a take on this one? What the hell happened? I don't understand. I don't know what's happening, where they're at, what it means. I have to go back and reread it. Like, So this is the thing that's flummoxed me is the series has been amazing up to this point. And the issue itself was really amazing up until, like, the last third. And now you just sort of feel lost and you don't understand what's going on. Yeah, I don't get, like, clearly I missed something at some point. Like, I really need to go and reread the series. At least reread the last probably two arcs. Because I missed something at some point. So the, the story was... There's a standoff in New York City. The capital and his crew is being chased by the U.S. Navy, and um, or at least what might be part of the U.S. Navy. And um, there's also a rogue nuclear sub who, I'll spoil it, fires off a bunch of missiles. They wind up being duds. I'm confused as to why they're the duds. I don't know whether he knew that, how that happened. You know what? Maybe the internet can help us. I feel like the internet can solve this issue. Oh, the internet. Tell us what it all means. Uh, let's see here. What does Wikipedia say about the issue? Because that might explain a lot. Because, um, yeah, I got to the, got to this point and I was like, I, I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, really, there's no explanation on Wikipedia. Isn't Wikipedia supposed to explain what each issue's got going on? Hmm. Oh, you failed. <laughs> I know. I actually have a friend who's been reading the you know, Lucifer comic series by Vertigo. At basically reading Wikipedia and like random slices she gets online. I'm not making it up. Like, this is how she plans to read the comic series. Hmm. So, obviously, I feel morally obligated to buy her an actual trick paperback for her birthday, but, you know. <laughs> it shows how much is out there, though. 
Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think when the next issue comes out, we're going to have to circle back on that one to figure out what the hell happened and discuss it. I was really it. hoping to have a conversation with somebody where they could tell me what in God's name that ending meant, but I guess that's not going to happen. Yeah, and it doesn't look like there's an issue out this month, which makes this more frustrating. Um, come on, Internet. You're supposed to do good things with this and, like, explain what the hell happened when I'm all confused. Because I'm all confused. Uh, well, how does it act like people did back in the day and rely on our relationships and conversations to educate us? <laughs> I know. Don't laugh all at once. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I'm seeing what the Internet says, because the Internet isn't being very helpful. This is kind of irritating. The one time we need it, it's not being helpful. So what, what do you think about um, the Mighty Avengers? Yeah, so Mighty Avengers. Um, I really, really dug it. Um, when they first announced it, I kind of sat there and was like, this sounds like a token... Team, um, for folks who don't know, Muddy Avengers is made up of a lot of minority characters. Um, Luke Cage is the main character. There's a new Power Man who's, I think, half African-American and half Dominican or half Puerto Rican, something like that. Yeah, I don't know anything about that character yet. I like his powers involving the Chi of New York City. That's my favorite character, too. Yeah, his back stuff isn't very good, but he was really, really cool in this. Uh, you have a white tiger who is, like, Brazilian, maybe? Um, and that, then you've got Monica Rambo, 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 Rambo. Um, so, yeah, so it ties in Infinity in that all these heroes are off into space, and these characters haven't really been doing anything or part of any of the teams, so they kind of are there. Um, Luke Cage has his team, has... Um, the new Power Man and White Tiger as part of uh, Heroes for Hire, and Infinity happens, so they kind of, like, team up. Spider-Man's still on Earth, and then there's this mysterious character who's wearing a random costume, who I think's Blue Marvel, but I'm not positive. Um, and I really, really dug it. I thought it was handled well. The, scenes with, the best scenes to me were, like, Luke Cage in the diner talking to Power Man. So tell me, you think... I don't know if the character's personality comes off as blue comes off as blue Marvel from what I know of the character. No, no. It seems much more zany here. Yeah, I have no no idea who the hell he is. Plus, he had nunchucks. Yeah, it was almost like it feels like it has to be a comedic character. Yeah, and it's someone who knows Monica Lambeau or Ram, whatever Monica. Whatever the hell she's calling herself now. Captain Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there's a scene where they're clearly talking, and she's like, I thought you were um, uh, exiled, or you were off the way, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there was nunchucks, though, makes it cross my fingers that it's Danny Rand, who hasn't been around. Oh. Well, it's certainly good to have him with uh, his old partner in crime, I mean, crime fighting. Yeah, so I'm crossing my fingers that's the case, because he's brought up a couple times in the issue. I like it. But, yeah, I mean, that's the other, and we know Blue Marvel's involved because we've seen him in the teasers for that. Um, 
but he hasn't shown up yet. Um, it was good. Like, I actually really, really dug it. I thought it was cool. I wish there wasn't it wasn't an Infinity tie-in. But, um, like, what did you think of the first issue? It's fun. It's fun yeah. and exciting. Yeah, and funny and cute. I, I, Monica's hair is, like, a nice look in this, but I really miss her having dreads because we need to have more heroes with dreads, and they were such a part of her personality. <laughs> like, having her hair like this doesn't quite seem in character. Yeah. Um... Yeah, she was, the last we saw her was, what, Captain Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had a guest spot in Captain Marvel. Which I thought was pretty good. So it's, uh, it was good. Like, it, um, I'm looking forward to it. Like, when I first winced hearing about it, um, and I kind of was like, all right, this is intriguing, i actually looking forward to the second issue. I think it's, out of all the team books that Marvel does, as far as Avengers, it's the most fun and entertaining one so far. I'll buy it. Literally, a lot of my pullers. Um. So, okay. I've been doing while we're talking. I've been digging about um, uh, the massive number fifteen. We're not the only ones yeah. that have no idea what the hell happened. Good, I don't feel quite so stupid then. And yeah, so Crayfon Locking, their thing was did this series go all superhero on us? Um and it brings up the point of so the thing that I think you and I are both having issues with the nuclear bombs get fired off and then they just kinda of disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, so as Crave Online says, it says, Now, however, with the nukes watched and humanity doomed, she's riding the back of the boat speeding through what were once the streets of New York. Then she closes her eyes for a long few moments. Mag looks at her and asks her what she just did, claiming he felt his heart stop for a second. She says, We all have a price to pay, Mag. I just paid mine. And then the nukes all vanish without a trace. So did Mary just suddenly manifest some kind of insane or mega-level mental powers? As I write this, I'm recalling that there's some time where Mary was running around the uh, most good station doing secret things on her own. So one supposes that maybe she got to the sub before uh, George did to disable and disarm the bombs, which is what I thought. Uh, maybe some kind of self-destruct mechanism to boot, although Wonder Woman was watching and bother telling any of her friends about that. So they stopped panicking about nuclear disaster on top of regular disaster. Um, the rest of the world is calling it a miracle. We're not really sure what happened, and Mary's not talking, but back suspicions. About her now uh, ratchet to the moon. No one's friends with Mary, and when all this is over, we'll be lucky to survive Mary. Uh, thus, the mystery deepens. What is her deal? That is a question we asked a lot previously, but now, seriously, what the hell is her deal? Uh, so, the Massive 15 is a confusing issue with a sort of anticlimactic, uh, okay ending to a tense story surrounding runaway nukes. I can't rightly say whether or not this was stumble or just another building block for Wood's world. So, it wasn't us. I didn't think it was just us. I feel so much better now. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. So, uh, anything else that you, you've you been reading and kind of want to talk about? Well, I'm sad about the, the end of um, Journey into Mystery. I don't know if Marvel's ever stopped running Journey into Mystery in the past, but I was enjoying this run. 
I think it's going to be back. It has to be. It's the legacy is, you know. Like, they also end, ended X-Factor. There's no way X-Factor is staying Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Because this is the last issue already came out. Um, I think it, it's out. I think it already came out. I meant to grab the last issue. I had stopped reading it a little while ago because it was like, eh. I was trying to cut back yeah. on what it used to be, but I wanted to get the last. But I certainly heard that. I certainly heard that um, we're going to do something to help figure out Longshot's origins, and I want to know that. Uh, I stopped reading a while ago as well, so I'm kind of waiting for trades, and I can nicely catch up. Um, there, there is a Marvel Wave Two coming. Of uh, they're calling it like all new Marvel Now. It's supposed to have a bunch of new releases. I'm fully predicting X Factor will be part one of them at some point, and I don't know if Journey of Mystery will be, but I think eventually it'll be back. Do you think they're retiring Peter David? What's that? Do you think they're retiring Peter David? I so. With, David, I mean, he had a stroke a while ago, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering maybe if that's part of to give him a break for a little while. I mean, I think so, but it's hard to say. Yeah, I don't I, I don't need to. I, I have no idea either, so um, we'll find out. Um, yeah, I really will hope the best for him. He's a great artist and a great guy. Yeah, so I mean, if nothing else, like, hope. We'll see him back. He's too talented to not. Um, but I think we pretty much covered everything that we wanted to cover. So, yep. Wrap up time, I guess. Um, with that, it's another episode of Graphic Policy Radio. Um, you can always catch us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and I've actually been trying to do stuff with Pinterest. Um, you can find us at Graphic Policy and all that stuff. And uh, with that being said, I'm Brett. And I'm Ilana. Have a geeky week, and thanks for joining us. Bye.